We are live from Lucas Oil Stadium here in Indianapolis in preparation for Saturday night, the Big Ten Championship game, Michigan against Iowa. But right now, guess what we got? A live Joel Klatt show, and it starts right now. College football's never been better. Interest has never been higher. Believe that we are at the dawn of the golden age of college football. It was an epic day of college football. It was one of those days where you fall in love with the sport all over again. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a live edition of the Joel Klatt Show, a special Friday edition right here. This show, as always, is presented by Hampton by Hilton. And I just got to tell you guys, it's not just me sitting here like it normally is. We have a live audience today here in the Hampton booth. For the Joel Klatt Show, super excited about it. Uh, thank you guys for, for all coming. We're going to get to exactly uh, why everyone is here and, and uh, how they got here, more importantly, a little bit later. But as you know, uh, remember, follow the pod wherever you're listening. Make sure to subscribe to the show. Follow on social media at Joel Klatt Show, wherever you like to social media. And make sure you go and subscribe on YouTube as well, because uh, as always, we have extra content on YouTube during the course of the week, including uh, your ability to watch this show live right now and then it'll obviously be archived there you can go back and check it out on the youtube channel okay uh lots to get into i have not previewed the big 10 championship game yet we're here live from indianapolis so obviously i'm going to talk about this michigan iowa game then we're going to get to um chris bear felica my man from big noon from bear bets he's going to come in and join me and we got to talk about some of these playoff scenarios the heisman trophy i got to be honest it the last few years, there hasn't been this amount of drama surrounding either the playoff scenarios or the Heisman Trophy. So we'll talk about that with Bear, and we're going to get to some questions um, from Hampton by Hilton members at the end of the program. But let's start with a nice little Big Ten championship game preview. Um, Michigan and Iowa. Now, this conference still has divisions. So is it the best two teams in the conference? No, it's not the best two teams in the conference. But I will just say this. Iowa is the type of a team that you don't want to see in a scenario like this because they've got nothing to lose, and a team that has nothing to lose is always dangerous. It's always dangerous, in particular a team that's going to be so fundamentally sound and not make mistakes. So let's start with the fact that Michigan cannot overlook this game. They're coming into this game as an undefeated off of the emotional high of beating Ohio State a week ago in Ann Arbor, and it was an amazing game, an amazing game. In fact, I think it was even a more competitive game and, and in a lot of ways more compelling game than either of the two previous years when Michigan was able to beat Ohio State only because of the quality of the game. Back and forth, it seemed like every time the, the Buckeyes needed an answer, they got one. Then the Wolverines needed an answer, and they got one. So the, the level of play was so high, and at times that can be tough to come back and answer right away. But this team has, has proven that they have the ability to stay focused and continue to play at a high level every single week. Okay, so the backside of this, or the backstory, is that Jim Harbaugh is back. Jim Harbaugh has been gone for the last three weeks from the Michigan Wolverines. And I got to tell you, I was expecting that to affect this team more than it did. In particular, with the way that his suspension happened. Okay, so what? O over a month ago, so we got five, six, seven weeks ago now, we got the Connor Stallions news and everything comes out. And it's, it's a huge uproar. 
And obviously, it's a distraction. And in my circle, one of the things that I always say is the quickest way to be defeated is to be distracted. You can talk about that in business. You can talk about that in any team environment. And it's certainly true in football as well. And this was going to be a giant distraction for the University of Michigan and their football program. And yet, what's so fascinating to me is that this team just continued to plot along and, and remain focused on the task at hand. So whether it was dealing with the actual news at first when Jim Harbaugh was still uh, on the sideline or it was having their head coach suspended literally at 3.30 the night before they play a top 10 matchup on the road um, before the Penn State game, it didn't phase them. Sharon Moore stepped in, was the acting head coach. The team just continued to play well and focus on the task at hand. This is the type of focus that they're going to need now in this game. You've got a championship game environment. You've got a team that's obviously well-coached and, and well-versed in Iowa. They need to come in, speaking of Michigan, and just try to handle their business. Their defense is the number one defense in the country. Uh, they're going to take on an Iowa offense that it's, it's well-publicized. This Iowa offense is not very good. And this defense for Michigan is one of the best in the country. They do so many things well. And in a lot of ways, they do, or, or I would say are built even more soundly than they have been over the last couple of years. Now, they've been good over the last couple of years. No, there's no doubt. But they're, they're more sound in terms of their versatility and their balance. They can rush the passer. They can cover uh, in, in the secondary. Will Johnson is outstanding. They tackle well. They leverage the ball well. They're great in the red zone. So there's not a lot of what I would call weaknesses of this Michigan defense. And if you're looking for those weaknesses to pop up on the offensive side, you're going to be waiting as well because this offense is incredibly versatile. J.J. McCarthy has played outstanding this year. They've got Blake Corum still uh, to lead that run game. They've got Donovan Edwards. And, and this is a team that, quite honestly, is just on a mission. And I would be surprised if they don't play well on Saturday night. The, the, the singular drive that I think epitomized Michigan football more than any other this season is actually not the second half against Penn State when they just ran the ball 32 straight times. It was actually the seven-minute drive last week against Ohio State. So if you're just painting the picture, here's what happens. Ohio State answers. Okay, It's a 10-point game, and here comes the Buckeyes, and they put together their best offensive series. McCord played his best offensive series. They run the football. They score with Marvin Harrison Jr. There's eight minutes left. It's a three-point game. You talk about getting tight and getting nervous. And what happens? Michigan goes on a seven-minute drive, and they get points. Now, they didn't put the game away, but, man, a seven-minute drive at that moment is so crucial. And that's, in large part, the reason why they won the game. They depleted the timeouts for Ohio State. Ryan Day has to take all of his timeouts. Now McCord's forced into really not panicking, but forcing the football down the field. They get a turnover, and they end up winning the game. Michigan's opponent this week, Iowa. I've got a lot of respect for Iowa. I know they can be the punching bag at times, um, in particular their offense. But think about what this team has done. They've got the last-ranked total offense in the country, and yet they're 10-2. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen without unbelievable coaching, and Kirk Ferentz is one of the best coaches out there. They have dealt with an enormous amount of um, 
adversity in particular when it relates to their injury situation. They lost their quarterback, Cade McNamara, who, by the way, transferred from Michigan. They lost their two best playmakers, both tight ends, Luke Lachey, excellent player, and Eric All, also a transfer from Michigan. In fact, when you go back to the 2021 version of the Michigan Wolverines, one of their biggest wins that they had in their recent program history was winning at Penn State in 2021. The two most important factors in that game were Eric All and Cade McNamara. Now all of a sudden they're Iowa Hawkeyes, but unfortunately they're banged up and not going to be able to play in this game. And then their best player overall, defender Cooper DeGene, uh, corner who's up for finalist for the Nagurski Award as uh, one of the top defenders in the country. He's also out. So where does that leave him? Well, it leaves him with a backup quarterback, Deacon Hill. He's six and one for Iowa, and it leaves him with one of the best defenses in the country. Iowa's defense is, in a lot of ways, almost perfectly built. Um, I'm a big believer, big believer, in the philosophy of you force the offense to execute more times than you feel like they can execute. Okay, So what you don't want to do is just give cheap touchdowns and, and long touchdowns and cheap touchdowns, and Iowa doesn't do that. They force you to earn your way down the field. They maintain their levels of defense. They keep their eyes in the backfield. And then the two things that they do really well, and here's where we'll get technical. Iowa leverages both people and the football as well as anybody in the country. Okay, so when it comes to people just playing with leverage, right? It's a physical game. You got to be lower than your opponent. How do you play with leverage? You play with great hand placement. You play with great strength. Their, their ability to do that is uncanny, and then their ability to leverage the ball. So the angles with which they take on defense, the way that they squeeze, the way that they they pursue and do all of those things on the defensive side is one of the reasons uh, or, or the big reason why they're so good. Um, they're one of the best in the red zone, and Michigan will have to play well to beat them. There's no doubt. Their blueprint in this one is going to be defensive scores, special team scores, uh, possible short field here or there, and if they can do that, and turn over, uh, get the turnover game going, then then there's a chance. Then there's a chance that they could be Big Ten champions. Um, okay, let's move on really quick. I do want to um, just address, like, you guys know that I love college football. I'm very passionate about college football. And in, in a lot of ways, I, I am this passionate, one, because I love it, but it also just brings people together. Uh, and, you know, fans with this type of infectious enthusiasm like I have, we all deserve a place to stay that speaks our language. And that's why and, and what Hampton by Hilton does. They're not just football fans at Hampton by Hilton. They are fans of football fans, and that's why they speak my language. You can count on Hampton to give you that home team advantage even when you're away. And I'm away a lot every single weekend in the fall. So if you like football, then you probably like scoring points, right? So let me tell you about what they've got going on. Hampton by Hilton is part of Hilton Honors, right, where you can get points. The loyalty program. Hilton Honors is a loyalty program that allows you to earn points, score points if you want to call it that. Go ahead. In so many ways. They could be anything from you could use those points on a dream trip once-in-a-lifetime experience. We've even got a few people here, by the way, in the room now watching my first-ever live recording because of Hilton Honors. All these people right here, part of Hilton Honors. So, folks, we appreciate your loyalty. And as you know, and we talked about earlier, the waffles are amazing, aren't they? <laughs> right? Exactly, right? The, the, the applause there. Um, 
You get to travel and enjoy your favorite football team score points while you earn Hilton Honors points, staying at Hampton. Lots of points, no tackles required. Remember, Hampton for the stay. Um, Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, let's get to my man. I was very excited. You guys know that during the fall, I don't generally get a lot of time to bring guests on the program. And I had this opportunity where we were going to do this live program. Uh, more guys were going to be around, and I thought, I've got to get the bear on the show. So Chris Bear Felica, now live on the program, he joins the Joel Klatt Show. Bear, what's going on, man? Happy to happy to be here. Yes. It feels weird. The season went by so fast. The, the season did go go by fast. That's probably because we enjoy uh, waffles every Friday morning in the Hampton by Hilton. This is very Hilton. true. Um, Bear is on Big Noon Kickoff, as you know, uh, and you've been such an amazing addition, by the way. I've been so um, excited that you're with us now, um, and and obviously Bear Bets as well. You can find Bear Bets on, on Fox Social. He and Jeff Schwartz break down all the gambling angles from around the sports world, so you can check that out. That's where I want to sit first, Let's do it. because Conference Championship Game Week is going to affect the playoff like we haven't seen in, in recent vintage. I, there's been There's more scenarios than ever. Of, of who could be in the college football playoffs. So let's start with who do you like this week in these games in the conference championship games, and then we'll talk about how that'll affect the, the committee's decision. It's historic because you've got what the the four undefeated Power Five teams that you, you've never had that this this late in the year. It feels <clears throat> kind of like a Captain Obvious type week uh, in, in terms. And I am not one that normally lay the points. I love the favorites. It's usually not what I am. But it kind of feels that way in a majority of these games. Like the game tonight, you like the favorites uh, in, in, in Vegas with, with Oregon and Washington. I know a lot of people came away, away from that first meeting between Oregon and Washington, even though Washington won. Uh, I think people felt a couple of fourth down decisions maybe go the other way. In uh, Oregon, wins that game, and Oregon kind of controlled most of the game. And you worry a little bit about, about Michael Penix. He hurt his ribs in those games. Yep. He hasn't yep. looked right. Since then, so I know that number got a little out of control, but I, I do think I the think Ducks it's up to ten. It's now, up to right? ten now. Wow. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's normal. I, I don't like chasing bad numbers, but I just have a lot of respect for Oregon. If you uh, talk to the the Vegas odds makers out there, they have Oregon power rated as the second best team in the country behind Georgia, which surprised me that they that they actually had them ahead of Michigan. That was very interesting to me. But I, I think there's so much on the line tonight. I think Oregon not only Pac-12 title, college football playoff, maybe potential Heisman. For, uh, for Bo Nix as well, but I do like Duck. Okay, so you said that you don't normally like chalk, right. but you kind of see and maybe can expect mm -hmm. chalk in this weekend game. If we have just all the favorites, and I've been doing this on the show all week, you know, trying to play out scenarios for the college football mm -hmm. playoff. So all the favorites win. That would be, just to, to recap for everyone, a Georgia win, a Michigan win, Florida State win, Oregon win, and a Texas right. win. Those would be your five wins this weekend. Who's your four then in the college football <sighs> playoff? Uh, I, I think my opinion on this is different from a lot of people because I think obviously Georgia, Michigan, Oregon are in, and I think it's going to come down to that debate between Texas and Florida State. And if you look at the committee and the college football playoff and the way they lay out their criteria, 
It is there, right there. And, and Book Oregon has said it all we all year long. We are not here about the most deserved. We are here for the four best teams. Yeah. And it's in there as well. You've got the anyway, factors that will come into play, criteria, player availability. I don't know if using the logic of four best and player availability, how you can say Florida State right now with this team construction is one of the best four teams. It's, it's such a tough, oh man, because, listen, for my entire history covering this sport, I've always, even when they, when they made the playoff, I didn't like the distinction four best versus using the distinction for most deserving. Right. Um, but that's what they did, right. right? And and listen, does Florida State deserve to go to the playoff if they win? Yeah, of, of course of course they deserve. Would they be one of the four best? No, I don't believe that that's the case. A couple of things on that. Number one is a lot of people have, have compared them to the 2014 Ohio State Buckeyes who lost their quarterback late in the season, JT Barrett. And all of a sudden, this this kind of unknown backup comes in, and we're mm-hmm. like, "Whoa, what's going on?" It's it's Cardell Jones. Now, here's what happened though in that year: is that on this on the field right behind me, fifty nine nothing, they beat Wisconsin fifty nine to nothing, and proved that even with Cardell Jones, they were one of the four best teams. So they get included as the four seed. They go on to win the national championship. What I've been waiting for from Florida State is that type of performance mm-hmm. that even with Tate Rodemaker, you can show me, okay, I'm, we are still clearly one of the four best teams. This team only gained 224 yards of total offense against a 5-7 and seven Florida team last week. So those are the things that lead me to believe, like, listen, if we really wanted the best possible playoff, you would include Texas right. over Florida State. But, you know, again, that's that's something that – that's a hard discussion when you're talking it, about it, an undefeated it, it, it team. It is, and, and I've taught – and you being a former player, and I've talked to a lot of former players who I do shows with, like, how would you feel about that as a player on a team oh. that was 13-0? and 0, But but it, but don't you have to judge them on the team that they are now? They had four, less than four yards of play, like you said last week. I mean, it's, it's a hard deal, but you – I don't know. Last one I want to do, one more scenario. And this is the one that I that I think is the committee's nightmare. Okay, sir, so you ready? Mm-hmm. So, oh, yes. Okay, so four favorites plus Bama win. <laughs> now it's like, so now you've got Oregon as a champ, Texas as a champ, FSU as a champ, Bama as a champ, Georgia as a one loss, Michigan as a champ. The only team I know for sure goes in that case is Michigan. Then I write down five teams for three spots, mm-hmm. and I'm like – I. I don't know what happens there, and I think that the committee might just quit. I I think the crazy thing is I don't know how in that scenario you can take Alabama and not take Texas. There have been two teams this year that won a road game against a top-10 team, Texas at Alabama and Michigan at Penn State. So how do those two teams not get in? This is the scenario I think that you would need to worry about more if you're Florida State, like if, I, you, I agree. if you throw Georgia as a one-loss team, two-time defending national championship team in that mix, that's where I think the committee might be like, are we really going to leave the two-time defending champion out who lost a close SEC title game? And, and by the way, you're not leaving the SEC champ out. They, ne- they never have. So, so this is I, I, this is why it's so fascinating to me, Baron, and we're on the same page here, is that Alabama would get included because they would have beaten right. you know Georgia. And, and mm-hmm. rightly so, by the right. way, and, and I'm agreeing with that. But as soon as you include Alabama, you've got to include Texas. Well, there's two of the spots. And now you're sitting there with Oregon, Georgia, who Vegas thinks are the two best mm-hmm. teams in the country, and an undefeated Florida State for one spot. I, I mean, that again, 
the committee might just quit. It was just like <laughs> it, it would just all blow up, which would be incredible. Who would go? Who's your fourth in that? Is it Georgia? Do you take two SEC or you got Oregon? Uh, now I'm putting I think you on that, the spot. I think they take Georgia. I think they take two SEC. I think SEC. That they would too. And it, it, well, that would be wild. And I, and I know that that's this is the scenario that. Jeff, talking with Jeff Schwartz, he, this is the one he's concerned about. He's yeah. absolutely concerned about Bama winning, Georgia, and then Georgia getting thrown in the mix with all those other teams. I, like it's, if we get an upset, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, that, that, that's for sure. I can't wait. Maybe uh, maybe we should all just root for that. Root for the chaos. Root for chaos. Right? Root, root for the chaos. Okay, let's change uh, gears and talk a little bit about the Heisman Trophy. And again, like the playoff being so unsettled here uh, late. I don't know who I'm voting for for the Heisman Trophy. And by the way, if you do have a Heisman Trophy vote, don't vote until Correct. this weekend. Thank like, what you. are we doing? Like, Thank let the you. games play out. Right? I can't stand the people that send the vote on December first. The best, and I don't have a vote, so I mean, I'm I can't tell anybody. How is what. that? How does that happen? I've only been covering the sport for about thirty years. Yeah, why, why would right. I? Why would I get a vote? Right? <laughs> what, what? What do I know? Oh man. Okay, but if you did have a vote, what's it coming down to? Well. As it says on the ballot, the most outstanding player in college football. That's a, the, the ambiguity of that is, like, is it stats? Is it team performance? Everyone has a different definition. I just – I don't know what we're doing if Jaden Daniels doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, his numbers suggest that, that he has played the best of anybody in the country. He's averaging more yards per game than 80 teams in the country. He's accounted for more touchdowns. You're telling than me he averages more than Iowa? Yeah, by a couple hundred yards a game. <laughs> believe it or not, yeah, and I know it's hard true. to believe. That's true. Um, and, we're, and we're not having this conversation. If, if neighbors catches that ball in the end against Ole Miss that went off his fingers, we're not having this conversation. Right? A ten and two LSU, I think, will be viewed differently than a nine and three LSU. And, and I think that's the whole most outstanding part of it. Where I think there is a large majority of voters that will see Bo Nix if they win the Pac-12 at 12-1. and one, They go to the college football playoff. I think that comes into the outstanding yeah. thing. And what, what I dislike about this process so much at times is where if me, who is championing Jaden Daniels because of the historic year that he's had, it's you're being viewed as, oh, you think Bo Nix stinks and he doesn't deserve it. No. If Bo Nix wins, he's a more great than deserving candidate. winner yeah. and, and a, great, a great player, and he deserves it. I just happen to think under the, my criteria of most outstanding that Daniels has had a better year. So I, this is not an official criteria. I do have a vote, and I've, I've, I've always felt like if you're going to win the Heisman Trophy, first of all, it is the most prestigious mm -hmm. individual sporting award in American sports. It's it's better than being the Super Bowl MVP. It's better than being the NFL MVP. It's better than being the NBA MVP. It's it's the Heisman Trophy means so much, and and so I I do take it very seriously. If you're going to win that award, you can you cannot have lost your three most toughest games. Like that's a, that's a yep. tough one for me, Absolutely. in particular as a quarterback. Now, I don't know exactly how I'm going to vote because I don't know how that game on Friday night is going to come out between Michael Penix and, and Bo Nix. But that's a tough one for, for Jaden Daniels because you can put together a lot of numbers, and, and, and I can tell you, he hasn't played a meaningful game in a month. Correct. You know, And, and Bo Nix has been every pass, every single rep that he's taken for the better course of the entire season, and in particular in the last month, there has been the utmost of stress on. And... and Every single outcome of every play of Bo Nix's 
had his his team's entire season on it. Whereas for the last month, LSU, this is all they've been playing for. They, you know, since they lost to Bama, they've had no chance to get nope. into a postseason game. So their entire season is just about the numbers for Jaden Daniels. I know it sounds like I'm trying to make an argument against him. He's unbelievable. I love him as a player, really do. But when it comes to this this award, there, there to me, there needs to be some level of excellence in your team's toughest games. When when it's required most, you play your best. And and I'm not saying that he didn't, but that's certainly going to be on my mind, in particular as we watch here on Friday. And night, that's the, that and that's the amazing game. thing. Like even in the games that they lost, he had unbelievable games. That he got knocked out by that hit by Dallas Turner in the yeah. Alabama game, and. Uh, the defense was just so bad. It's funny. I'm thinking here as you're saying that about playing pressure-filled games, and I think back to a couple of years ago, uh, the, the baseball, the American League MVP race, where Shohei Otani was unbelievable, but the Angels were completely out of it, and Aaron Judge is hitting 60-something home runs in pressure-filled games to try and get the Yankees the postseason, and people were making the same argument. Like, how can you give Otani the MVP this year when Judge is doing this in a pressure-filled state? So it, it's kind of it's kind of strange how it all comes like, you get in that, but that's why I'm saying everyone has a different opinion that's of right. what goes into outstanding. It's great though. You, you hit on it earlier. I, I was thinking it's like the first time probably since Derrick Henry McCaffrey in 15 that we actually have legitimate drama yes. as to what's going to happen next. What, what I'm hoping, um, and that year, this is just a little bit of a rant. There was a lot of voters. It's your show. You're allowed to rant. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. A lot of voters that year, the Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey year, and I hate to say it, but they, they may have been, you know, situated in a certain part of the country, left McCaffrey off their ballot. Which is ridiculous. And 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 because of that, McCaffrey ended up losing the Heisman Trophy. Whereas, you know, listen, if you wanted to vote Derrick Henry, great. Absolutely. He's a phenomenal yep. player. But there was no way that Christian McCaffrey wouldn't have been number two on your ballot. Right. But because a lot of voters kind of actively sabotaged McCaffrey and left him off of the ballot, then he didn't get enough points to end up winning the trophy. Mm -hmm. um, I could sense that maybe happening in in this year because of, of Jaden Daniels. That's but then so... here's the, the weird part. Jaden Daniels started his career at yes. ASU, and Bo Nix started his yep. career at Auburn. So now all of a sudden it's like the Southern kid grew up in Alabama, is playing for <laughs> Oregon, and Jaden Daniels is now at yeah, LSU. You're the that, only kid that that now at LSU, yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, man, I I appreciate you coming on today. Of course. And uh, just uh, on a side note, I, you have added so much to our coverage of college football at Fox Sports. You've made us better. You've appreciate made big, big Noon Kickoff better. Um, and so I appreciate it. It's been, it's been so much fun for me. You worry a little bit when you, after being in one place for such a long time and you come to a new spot, but everybody here has been unbelievable. It was a really good kind of, and every now and then you, you need a little bit of like a kickstart, maybe a change. And it's been every, everything that's happened since I made the decision last year to make the move over to, to Fox and big noon and the soccer. And the, it's been reaffirming that I absolutely made the right choice. So it's been great. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, appreciate thank it. you. Thank you. Chris Bear Felica, you can check him out uh, on Big Noon Kickoff as well as Bear Bets with Jeff Schwartz. Um, okay, I'm going to get to a couple of questions here really quickly um, as we kind of close out the program. Uh, these are questions from Hilton Honors members, and so I'm going to uh, try to answer these the best that I possibly can. Okay, so Katie R., she writes in and says, how do you think the committee would handle a 12-1 Alabama versus a 12-1 Texas? Well, we're going to find out, but I will just tell you that head-to-head -head has to matter because 
Guess what doesn't happen, generally speaking, in college football? Generally speaking, teams that are in the top five don't lose at home. In fact, this year, top five teams are 31-1 and in their home stadium. The one loss was Alabama when they lost to Texas. So I don't really care if it happened in September or in November. That game has to matter, and it has to mean something. So I do think that the committee, if it came down to it, and they had to compare 12-1 and Alabama and 12-1 and Texas, they would look favorably on Texas. Now, in that scenario, Bama would be an SEC champ and probably go as well. So the scenarios might play out where they would both get into the playoff, but boy, head-to-head has to matter. Or else, what are we doing? Why play the games? We could just have Vegas tell us who they think would win, and then we could put teams in because of that. All right, let's move on. Dave says, do you think the increased use of the transfer portal is good for college football? Does it bring more parity, or is it a detriment? Well, if you have been following the sport like... I do, and you probably are since you're listening to this show, you'll know that the transfer portal in the last couple of days has been wild. Um, Lots of players from all over, big names, small names, small schools, big schools, doesn't matter. All these kids are looking for other opportunities at at different places. You've got quarterbacks like Cam Ward from Washington State. Um, He's going to command quite a bit of attention in the transfer portal. You've got now the added uh, NIL aspect of what's going on and what it's going to cost for a team to bring in a player like Cam Ward. It's not out of the question that a player, a premium quarterback in the transfer portal, in particular a guy who's got a track record and and experience under his belt, that he could command between $1.5 and $2 million for his next season of college football. Sounds outlandish, yes, but it really isn't. When you talk about the value that a quarterback could bring to a program and what that could mean for their season moving forward. Is it good for college football, the transfer portal? Probably. Do there need to be guardrails? Yes, absolutely. I want to go to the next question because it ties in. Jen writes in, as NIL, name, image, and likeness, becomes more a part of the game in recruiting, do you see any changes in how the process is managed or governed in the future? Yes, It is going to be changed, and it will be managed to some degree. What's going to end up happening, and what we have right now in college football, is that the leaders in college football, a lot of the commissioners, they're in Washington, D.C. almost weekly uh, lobbying uh, our Congress for help in terms of protecting and putting guardrails on intercollegiate athletics, but namely football. And part of that means that we need to find an opportunity to protect the student athletes better. Now, you might be thinking like, well, how does that relate? If they're going to get a million and a half or two million dollars, what does it mean to also protect them? Well, if we can if we can collectively bargain with the players, then what we can do is we can protect them from shady agents, because what's happening right now is that this is so vast in terms of the volume of players in college athletics, the volume of NIL deals, is that players are entering into contracts and entering into NIL deals that are not good for them long-term. They're giving away their future earnings in perpetuity, in some cases, to agents that are not vetted out because there is not an association in which we collectively bargain with. So will there be guardrails in the future? Yes. Will it look a lot different? Yes. Is it going to be better? Yes, I do believe that it will be better. Uh, Last one. Let's go to Christine. Christine chimes in and she says, will the expanded playoff format change how top teams approach the regular season? 
How will they schedule non-conference opponents, and should conferences still have championship games? These are great questions, Christine. So, first of all, the expanded playoff format, we will have to wait and see how it changes people's approach to the regular season. I think this year is a a big watermark in terms of how the non-conference is going to be weighted by schedule makers moving forward, and it's because of that first answer I gave you the Texas-Alabama issue. Even if it's Texas against Oregon in a debate or Texas against Florida State in a debate, if we don't honor the teams that go out and actively schedule harder football games in the non-conference, then they're going to stop scheduling harder football games in the non-conference. If Texas doesn't get the benefit of the doubt or the ace up their sleeve or the trump card, if you will, for scheduling and beating Alabama, then what's the motivation for scheduling those games in the future? And if we want to see those games as college football fans, then we better hope that the playoff committee, whether it's this year or in future years, will reward the teams that not only schedule those games, but go on and win those games. I believe that we need to actually take over non-conference scheduling from athletic directors so that we can make sure we have all of these games. It would be pretty simple in my view. We take some of these power conferences, we pit some of the better teams against one another on an annual rolling basis. So just for a quick example, let's just say next year, the SEC and the Big Ten are scheduling partners. Well, then you would take the SEC champion and the Big Ten champion, and you would play them in September. And you'd flip a coin and you'd say, well, all right, Michigan, you're going to Georgia. Let's just say Georgia and Michigan win their conference championship games. And you would have those type of matchups, and you'd make them like the NFL does, where you would be basing it based on where they finished the previous season. And then the last question you just had was, should the conferences still have championship games? That is going to be a fabulous question. We're going to try to incentivize Conference champions with buys in the future, maybe even home games in 2026 in the second round. But there is talk among conferences that why would we want to play our top two teams in a conference championship game when we could play our third and fourth best teams and try to play one of them in to the college football playoff versus knocking somebody out of the college football playoff. So that remains to be seen. I think a lot of changes are coming to college football in the in the future. Some will have to do with the players and the individuals, uh, and others will have to do with the structure and the postseason and how we crown champions. Okay, that's going to do it for today's program. I can't tell you how thankful I am for Hampton by Hilton. This show is presented by Hampton by Hilton. They have been great to us all year long. You know exactly how I feel about staying at Hampton by Hilton's. They are for the stay, and those waffles are tremendous. And thank you all, the Hilton Honors members, for coming, being a part of the show, uh, delivering those questions, and enjoy the game. You guys are going to be in the the Hampton suite for the Big Ten Championship game uh, as part of the Hilton Honors Rewards Program. So thank you for being here, uh, everybody. And that'll do it for us on this edition of the Joel Klatt Show. Make sure to tune in. Tune in Saturday night, Big Ten Championship game. Gus Jenny and I will have the call live on Fox, 8 p.m. Michigan and Iowa, right here from Indianapolis.